Exodus chapter 1, starting at verse 8, continuing to chapter 2 through verse 15. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh stone cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. And in all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Pua, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And let the male children live. The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives come to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter free live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26 through verse 35. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph 
of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. He pauses here, section, the reading of God's Word. And let's pause now for a word of prayer, then after prayer, the preaching of God's Word, and then end our service with a song of special music. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come and to worship you. We do pray for those who are with us as well as those who witness this via uh, internet, or Facebook. We pray, Lord, that you would just speak to the hearts of your people as your word is preached today. You might, you might open our eyes to, to see uh, your call, your challenge to us today, your encouragement to us today, and that we might focus on you and your purpose and your plan that's fulfilled completely in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for our mothers today, and we pray uh, that you would bless them, allow them to hear your word and be encouraged as well, and they might continue the task that you've given them and be faithful to it. We just pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Special message for Mother's Day today. We going to um, break off from our Job series just for today and take a look at God's Word. And I've so chosen these passages that we read before you as our text for uh, this morning. Traits of a godly mother or traits of godly mothers. So we'd like to examine some of the traits that we see from God's Word that encourage us and challenge us in mothers. Uh, as we speak today on Mother's Day, men, don't take a nap. You're included in God's Word. It's interesting to note, um, I just want to uh, take a look at, at one verse in 2 John verse 4. It says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And so uh, we, as human beings, have Mothers, we have a mother and we have a father. And today we'll be emphasizing that trait of mothers. But what we're really talking about is that whole realm of parenting. And God has deemed that in the human sense that parenting needs to take place by two individuals. Now you might ask the question, theologically, why does God refer to him as God the father? Why not God the mother? 
Well, God is, is simply sufficient in himself. We need two to give that parenting that's needed humanly, but God alone is, is sufficient to supply all our needs. In other words, God is both mother and father, and he is sufficient in that. We see the traits of both in God. We see his compassion, his tenderness, his grace, his mercy, and his love, and we often attribute that softer side to, to our mothers and our females, uh, but we also see his strength, his passion, his resolve, his vigor, his discipline, his judgment, and we often contribute those harsher or harder sides to our, our males. But God is both and completely all in one. So as we focus on mothers today, let's keep in mind for our men that we're talking about parenting, and these things apply to each of us um, as, as believers. It's interesting that there's not a lot of emphasis in the Word of God on uh, naming individuals. And so often as I look to study an individual, uh, we don't see them often named. That includes men and women, but even more so with our women. There are few uh, women that are mentioned. I was looking over our, our studies in the past, and you know, uh, we, we went through our study in Hosea, and I said, well, that's not a good book to, to model for mothers uh, uh, with, with Hosea's wife, uh, 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 Homer, not being a good example of a mother. Then, then I thought about um, Esther, and uh, she has some wonderful traits, but it wasn't stated that she was actually a mother, especially at the time that the, the uh, story took place. And so that was not a good source to, to look at for mothers. And then I thought about our recent study in Job and says, wow, well, we can get some examples, except for his wife <laughs> not being a, a, a very good model uh, in his time of need of being faithful. And so uh, we, have to look, uh, uh, we have to look at other places, but we do get a good picture. And uh, so when you see a great man, you know that God has designed uh, parenting around him in some way or fashion uh, so that he could be developed and uh, uh, grow in the way that God intends for him to be. Uh, whether his mother and father are mentioned or not, for example, Samuel, uh, mothers mentioned fathers kind of off to the side, but they don't have a dominant role in his bringing as he, he's brought at an early age to the house of Eli. And so uh, we don't see their role in it. So oftentimes we don't see the role, but we know that some important parenting happened and was needed. I've chosen two individuals today to the greatest uh, examples in Scripture, Jesus Christ, of course, and we look at his earthly mother, and then we look at Moses and his uh, mother and some events around there. So let's look at some of the godly, the traits of godly mothers today. I'm um, going to mention some of these godly traits, and the first one I want to mention is not so much a trait, but it is an experience. These mothers were chosen and selected. They were chosen and selected by God for a task and for a duty. And we need to realize today that God has chosen and selected mothers today for a task and for a duty. Let's take a look at some examples of those chosen. And when I talk about mothers today, let's not 
let's not uh, uh, lose sight of the fact that we're not just talking about birthing a child. Because there's many who have never birthed a child but have the traits and need the traits. They have performed the duty of godly motherhood. And we need them around. I have two examples that are not mentioned as mothers, but they certainly were instrumental in the preparation of this great man that God was bringing uh, for his people. And that man is Moses. And we see these two. And they're actually given by name in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 15. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Puah. It doesn't say that these ladies were mothers, but we see what they did. They were selected at a time when God's people were suffering greatly, and somebody had to stand up and challenge the attack that was that was uh, leveled against them. That attack was by the king of Pharaoh, or the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, and that he decided that he would try and kill all of the male Hebrew babies. These women, these two individuals named, stood against that attack. And so we see that they were chosen. They were chosen, and God had placed them in this position. I asked myself the question, what, what, was, what was God doing during this time? If we look at the narrative, we look at what would have been told to us about this story. If you were acting in a story, you would perhaps be in despair that all of, all of uh, Israel was, was enslaved to an uh, uh, ungodly nation and an ungodly king, and they were being uh, uh, made to be slaves. And so what was God doing doing, doing this time? He was raising up a leader, a savior, to redeem, to release his people. That's pictured in the child Moses being born. But there was an attack. It says, this is what Pharaoh said to them in verse 16. When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, and let the male children live. And so we see that God had placed them um, in a place. They might have thought, oh, we're just, we're just two midwives. What role do we have? But God had placed them in an important place. A task. It doesn't even mention them as mothers or any of their specific children, but they stepped up to the task. They were chosen by God for a task. What was God doing? In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 through 19, if I can just take a moment and turn there. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 19. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Now we know Moses is speaking here and he's speaking to the people of Israel. He says, God's going to raise up for you a prophet like me. 
Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he, will, he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak, in, excuse me, and whosoever shall not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Moses is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. God brought Moses to be a testimony, to be an example, and actually to be a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, Moses is not the Savior. I'm going to raise my son from my people and I'm going to bring him into the world to be a savior. What was God doing? Through these two faithful women, God was preserving his people so that his savior would be born. So this duty that God has given to mothers requires several traits. First of all, it requires faith. It requires faith. Faith because of its uniqueness and its unprecedented nature. Faith because not always, you don't always have a clear model to follow. I think about these two midwives. They had a unique responsibility. Never in their history have they seen or been uh, 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 exposed to such a thing where their nation was under attack. And they had been placed in the position by God to save. They didn't have many models to look at to say, what did others do in this situation? Mothers today can find themselves in that same way. They, they face unique challenges and don't always have an exact model to find. But they need faith to trust and to believe in God. What, what does faith mean? I've just described it this way. Faith means believing God, trusting God, and obeying God. Believing God, believing what he says is true. Trusting God that his purposes are for our good and that he will bring about what he has said. And then you show all that by actually obeying God, doing what he says. I like what it says. We read it already. In Exodus 1.17, it says, But the midwives feared God. So that term, fear God, is a summary of all those things. They believed God, they trusted God, they obeyed God. We look for mothers today to have that type of faith so that they might do the task that God has challenged them to do. Another duty, or no, excuse me, another uh, trait that's required is a trait of steadfastness. Steadfastness. Steadfastness, I describe this way, is, is a discipline, a practice of regularity. It's something that you do and you continue to do. So steadfast means that you uh, are faithful and you continue to, to, to do what God has required to do. Steadfastness is needed in mothers, in parenting today, and in mothers today, so that they will continue 
uh, on the task that, that God has given them. Um, we don't always see this trait in people. That's hard to see. But what you see is the fruit of it. You see the fruit of steadfastness in their character. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Another example that we look at today is Mary. And we're told here in Luke that the angel Gabriel came to Mary. And we see that she, as we mentioned with the Hebrew midwife, she was chosen. She was selected by God. Gabriel said, God sent me to come to you and to speak to you. And when he greeted her, she was confused about this greeting. Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. This is what the angel Gabriel said to her in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You found favor with God. God had chosen Mary, and you can see um, that that. He has chosen her, but there's also something that's characteristic in her life that even at her young age, she had been faithful to the Lord. And it was obvious. It's something that you could see. Now, in this narrative, it's hard to just see that. What you see is the outcome in her life. One of the things you see that is states several times is she was a virgin. And that means that she had faithfully trusted God to bring about um, her mate and to live her life in obedience to him and to his purpose and his will. She didn't go outside of God's path for, uh, for her own fulfillment. She trusted God. She was faithful. She was steadfast in serving God. Another trait that's very similar to that is the trait of perseverance. Trait of perseverance or resolve, staying with it and not giving up. Motherhood is not an easy task. If you're going to be a godly mother, you need to persevere. You need to stick with that task, not easily give in, not easily give up. You're going to have many challenges there. I notice in Exodus chapter 1, the midwives had several challenges. Pharaoh himself came to them and said, hey, why didn't you do what I commanded you to do? But they, again, stood firm, and they didn't change what they were doing, the task that was so important that even though Pharaoh told them not to uh, continue in their behavior, they continued in the right behavior, and that which was obedient to God. They were resolved in doing that. See some other traits that, that come out in these pictures. One is focus. Focus. That's keeping to the goal, not being easily distracted, not being sidetracked or disrupted. A focus. You talk about focus on what? Focus on the goal. Well, what is the goal for parenting? What is the goal for mothers? The duty that God has called mothers to is to lead your children 
the children he has entrusted to you in the way that God would have them to go. To lead your children in the way that God would have them to go. That calls for focus. Why focus? Because it's easy to get off of that understanding of what God called and go to our own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In other words, the focus on what God has and what God's intent is for that child that he has entrusted to your care. And so um, we need to, uh, for a godly woman needs to have that trait of, of focus, of, of zeroing in on what God is doing, what God has asked her to do, and what God is doing in her child. Um, I like Mary's focus. God had, had given her a clear uh, picture of what he had in mind. I'm turn back with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So Gabriel shares with Mary what God's goal is, what God's purpose is, what he's calling this child that she's been entrusted with to be and to do. Now it's Mary's job to keep that understanding as she goes through the many years of this childhood of Jesus so that she understands and she performs and works out what God's purpose is in Jesus' life. Not her own personal, private purpose, but what God's purpose is. And mothers today, I want to encourage you that God is calling you to do that too. To not shape your children in your own way, but in God's way. To keep that as your focus. The world often says your children need to be pointed this direction or, 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 or need to be instilled in this way. But God says, no, keep your focus and, and, and uh, rear them, train them, bring them up in my way and in my purpose. Don't lose track of that. Of course, you're going to need some things to remind you to do that. And God's word is sufficient to, to get you to look at what his purpose and what his plan is and to keep you on task there. You have an awesome responsibility, an important task, and you need to be focused in it. I mentioned the duty it says it's to lead your children, the children that he has entrusted to you in the way that God would have them to go. God has given them life. You haven't given them life. God has given them life. You have been used by God as a vessel. You're an important vessel. But it's God who has given them life life. 
God has a purpose for the children he's entrusted to you. As we looked in Luke, we saw that purpose explained by Gabriel to Mary of what, what God intended for this child. And he explained that to Mary so that she would see and she would understand and she would keep her focus there. Look with me at Luke chapter 2, verse 17. The angel has spoken to the shepherds, and now they come to see this child. And in verse 17, it says, When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The angel has shared with the shepherds who was to be born and what the purpose of this child was. And now Mary again hears it, and what does she do? She ponders that in her heart. In other words, she, she seeks to understand what it is that God intends for her to do in working with the purpose that he has for his child. That's what God wants you to do as a mother, to understand and even sometimes wrestle with that purpose that God has for the child that he's entrusted to you. So often uh, I've seen mothers who, who think, uh, especially young mothers often do this, they think that baby was given to them so that they can make their hair cute and dress them in, in, in pretty clothes. And so they go out when they find out that they're pregnant and they want to buy all these things. They, want, they get excited about this baby, but they need to keep in mind God had more purpose for that child than that they be cute and rare, pretty clothes. His purpose is more lasting than that. And so it's important for our mothers to realize God didn't give you that child to dress up their hair and make them look like a doll. He gave that child a purpose, and you are to work along with his purpose. So you need to understand his purpose. Um, look with me in Luke chapter 1 again, and, and let's just point out some of the things that show his purpose, the purpose that God had for this child. Verse 31, Luke chapter 1, 31. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. So part of God's purpose is shown through Mary herself. She has a part in it. God had designed that she would be a part to, to impact and influence this child as he grows up. It's interesting that God, God did it that way. Why did he do it that way? Um, why does God entrust to human beings his very son? Why does God entrust to us children who have an eternal soul? How important it is. He doesn't have a group of angels raise his child. He gives this child through Mary. You will conceive and you will bear a son. So she has a very important role to play. But then something that talks about God's purpose for him is his name. 
He says, you shall call his name Jesus. His name reflects his purpose. Sometimes I laugh and sometimes I cry when I hear the names that mothers today are giving their children. And they don't realize how important a purpose that God has placed on that child. No individuals who are named after alcohol and drugs and athletes and all types of things and they fail to realize God has an eternal purpose for the individuals that he entrusts to our care that's way beyond that simple and sometimes silly name. God says you shall call his name Jesus which in the Hebrew means Jehovah saves. His name depicts the character and the purpose that God had for him. Mothers, consider seriously the awesome responsibility that God has given you in caring for that child. Not only his name, but his character is mentioned there. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. He's saying to Mary, he's going to be great, and he's identifying not so much with you. You have a role in it, but even above and beyond that, he's mine, the son of the most high. I'm entrusting him to you, but he ultimately belongs to me, and I have set a purpose for him. So God has set a purpose for his children today and given mothers that awesome responsibility. His task and his reward depict God's purpose. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. So we see in part God's plan for his son. What should the mother's response be here? To honor God's plan. Honor his plan. In other words, submit yourself to God's plan and say, God, you have a plan for my child and I will honor it. Now that doesn't mean you know it because that's a difficult task. But seek to grasp that plan, to understand to a level, that plan that God has for your child or your children or those who he has entrusted to your care. And then follow his plan. Follow his plan. Work towards his plan. That's why, as mother, you, you don't just refer to your children as my babies. First of all, they're my. They're not yours. They're God. They're God's. They belong to God, and he has entrusted them to you. Secondly, they're not just babies. Yes, they're infants for a moment, but God has a design and a plan, and you need to reflect that in your thought of how you view them and how you see them.
Besides this purpose that God has for the child, we also see that God has a specific plan or a specific, I'll call it a track. This is the road or the path that God has for them to accomplish the plan that he has. Moses had a specific track. And Jotabed, his mother, needed to understand that track, or at least needed to work with it. Certainly she didn't understand it. We, we read through that the narrative where we see that Pharaoh had commanded all the male babies to be killed, to be thrown into the Nile. And when she saw, when she had this child, it wasn't her first child, but when she had this child, she knew that it says she saw that he was good. <laughs> The text says that verse 2 of Exodus 2, the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. She realized that this is something that God had given her, and she had a responsibility to feed she had a responsibility to care for. She had a responsibility to love and to protect this child. And she didn't know what God was going to do, but she hid him for three months. And then it says when she could hide him no longer, what she did is she, she, she threw him in the Nile River, kind of like the, the, the king told her to do, but in a whole different way and for a whole different purpose. She prepared in essence, a little ark for him and allowed him to safely be set in the river. And she, she was very, uh, uh, she, she had a purpose behind what she was doing. And we can see that uh, the child's uh, sister, Miriam, went along to, to find out what was going to happen with this child. She didn't just abandon the child. But she actually is releasing this child to God. She is in essence saying, God, I know you have a purpose, but I don't know what your specific plan, or I don't know what the path is you have for this child. I don't understand that, but I'm going to trust you in it. She didn't have to do that with her older child, but with this one, she did. So God has a unique path. He had one for Miriam. He had one for Aaron. He had one for Moses. They were different. It takes a wise mother to understand that and to see that as God develops it and then to submit to that purpose and the plan that God has. And so she's trying to figure it out and, and trying to obey God. And so she allows this, this little baby to be floated down the Nile and as God would have it. <laughs> it's... It's the Pharaoh's daughter who is there bathing with her maidens and discovers this child and takes the child in. And Mary or, or, or Moses' sister says, hey, should I find a nurse for this child? And Pharaoh's daughter says, yes. And she goes and gets her mom. And her mom is paid <laughs> to do the motherly duty to raise this child. But that, that's not the end of the story because... She gives the child back to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh's daughter. I want you to note something in Exodus chapter 2. 
Verse 9, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. The very next verse. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Now, I'll ask the question, since Moses' mother, Jochebed, gave this child back to Pharaoh's daughter, how is it that Moses grew up with an understanding, a clear understanding of who his people really were? He had an identity and I believe his mother had a strong role in building that for him so that he would not forget who he was. Even though he was raised in the king's house, he knew who he was and he had a passion for that. In other words, God had placed a purpose for him, in him, and his mother, I believe, was very instrumental in, in, in building him in the purpose that God had set him to be. You know, sometimes we want our children to be what we want them to be. And that might be something good. It may be something prosperous. But we need to ask ourselves, is it what God wants them to be? We need to wrestle with that. Then we see that she also wrestled not just the purpose, but the, the specific plan or the path that God had set. wonder what she felt after Moses was accused of murder and had to run away from home. Wonder if she thought she'd ever see him again. See, when we wrestle with God's path and we submit ourselves to that, we're going to struggle sometimes. We're going to see our children suffer sometimes. But that's where our faith comes in, that we understand that God has a purpose and a plan there. Mary encountered those same things. In John chapter 2, Mary instructed Jesus to do something special. And he says, what does that to do with me? Well, my time has not come. In essence, he's saying, I know you know of my purpose, but you've got to accept God's timing as well. And I'm not doing this to make you feel good or to fulfill your purpose, it's God's purpose that stands first. So as parents, we have to get our purpose out of the way so that we can see and follow God's purpose, God's specific path, God's specific plan, and how he's going to bring about his purpose in that child. When Jesus was an infant, I think it was Simeon who spoke to him, spoke to his parents and says, this child is going to go through some difficult times. In fact, let me, let me look at that. In Luke chapter 2, Verse 34, Simeon, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, 
and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. He's saying God has a purpose, and he has a specific path for this child. I would imagine when Mary was told that this child is going to be great, he's going to be the son of the Most High, she might have thought that, hey, this life is going to be a breeze. I'm going to raise my child, and he's going to be this great leader that everybody's going to respect. But she didn't think and realize the path that God set for Jesus was one through hardship, suffering, cruelty, and suffering on a cross and death. That was part of the path that God had selected. And Simeon says, it's going to pierce your heart. It's not easy being a mother. But that sticking to God's purpose and being resolved to, to bring that out. Not your own personal preference, but what God would have this child to be is what you need to focus on. You won't, under, you won't always understand God's path and the turns that it takes in your mothering, but you can trust God. That's what we call you to do. I'm so thankful as I look out on faces today and I imagine those who I can't see who have served to be faithful in the task that God has given them. These two midwives were faithful. They are named in Scripture. Jotabed is named as well as Moses' mother. I think it's Numbers 26 uh, that actually mentions her name. Amran is the father and Jotabed is is his mother. But God had placed an awesome responsibility on these. And yet, it's God's purpose and it's God's path that he expected them to honor. And ultimately, we see it in Mary, that God had given Mary the responsibility to bring forth or to bear this child Jesus so that God could accomplish his purpose to save his people. He uses human beings like you and like me. What an important role we often play. I think of how many and those who are so instrumental, who are right here today, who've been instrumental in my uh, development and, and, and what God had planned for me. And I think about how we are used as vessels for God in others' lives. May we be faithful. May we show forth those godly characteristics that we see in these ladies. If I can just mention them again. Faith, steadfastness, perseverance, focus, resolve, and wisdom. I call wisdom the how-to from God the how-to. You don't know how you're going to do that. God needs to give you some wisdom, the how-to. I think that's what allowed um, Moses' mother to, to, to get along and to release that infant baby along the banks of the Nile River. This is what I want you to do. Let me instruct you in the specific way that I want you to go. We thank God for the challenge today to take up that task, to be 
godly mothers to those that he's entrusted in our care, whether those are physical or whether we spiritual care for those that he's entrusted. God wants us to exhibit those traits and to trust him in what he's doing and he's developing. Let's pause right here for a word of prayer and special music and ask them to come even while I'm praying. They prepare for a message after this prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your grace in choosing us to such an awesome task. We pray, Lord, that we submit to you now. We say yes to you and your purpose, yes to you and your specific path and plan for us and for those who we minister to. Lord, we thank you for mothers in our lives. We pray, Lord, as others who hear this, that they might determine that they will trust you, that they would turn, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they would walk humbly before him, be willing to follow and obey him in all that he asked them to do. We pray this now in Jesus' name, amen.